Blog Talk Radio. Hi there, I'm Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, and this show is a celebration of baby boomers who are embracing life as we grow older, and it doesn't get much better than getting to speak with our guest today. I am thrilled that Emmy and Ace award-winning producer and director Steve Binder is joining us to share all about his amazing up-close and personal experience with Elvis Presley. Of course, we all remember the famous British invasion and how it took a big toll on Elvis's career, but that was until 1968 when Steve was able to convince the King to make a comeback performance on TV. That special recharged Elvis's career big time and gave us fans an amazing performance that remains one of the top shows of all time. So we are incredibly lucky to have Steve join us today to share all about it, and I am extra excited. So welcome, Steve. Thank you, Eileen. I really appreciate the invitation and a chance to talk about, you know, my personal relationship with with what truly was the king of rock and roll and still remains 50-some years later. And speaking of remaining 50-some years later, that famous performance, in fact, TV Guide, I know you know this, but I want to say this for our listeners in case we they don't know, but TV Guide called that special the second greatest musical moment in television history next to the Beatles' debut on the Ed Sullivan Show. So what a tribute to you as the producer and director of that amazing performance. Well, the truth of the matter is that uh, when I met Elvis for the very first time, uh, what I realized that he wasn't sure whether it was his talent that made him so successful or it was the hype of uh, his manager, Colonel Parker, or RCA Records, uh, publicity machine. And and I realized early on that my job was to, uh, once I became a believer because in the beginning I knew nothing about Elvis Presley other than seeing him as a kid on the Ed Sullivan show, and uh, which I liked his performances very much uh, with his original trio. Uh, but uh, since then, uh, aside from the 20 you know movies that he made, having to go into the army for a couple of years in Germany, uh, you know when I met him. He wasn't sure whether uh, the audiences would even accept him again, uh, especially the young people. And uh, he had uh, basically uh, lost confidence in himself. And, and I realized, you know, my, my job uh, more than anything, uh, because in those days, uh, you know, it wasn't about how much money you're being paid or your, your, your title or, or whatever was really putting a, a great team together behind the scenes where we were all compatible, forgot about our, you know, our prestigious titles or non-prestigious <laughs> titles. And uh, we worked as a team, no different than an athletic team. And it doesn't work unless everybody contributes. And I was fortunate enough, uh, you know, when Elvis really didn't want to do television anymore, he felt he had been made like a buffoon. Uh, on uh, primetime television, where, which was dominated in those, di- uh, d- those days by uh, middle-of-the-road singers, uh, you know, pop singers like Andy Williams, uh, you know, uh, 
especially at Christmas time when they did these Christmas specials. And there was nothing special about Colonel Parker uh, making a deal with NBC uh, that Elvis would do a Christmas special, not speak on it, just sing 20 Christmas songs. And that was not anything that I was interested in doing. And uh, so it was a case of instilling confidence in Elvis and saying, it's your talent. Uh, you know, the colonel told me early on, uh, he never watched Elvis when he was doing, uh, you know, like the Louisiana Hayride concerts and so forth. He he just was watching the girls screaming and wiggling in their <laughs> seats in the audience. And he said, uh, I want a manager. I want to manage whoever is making those girls do that. And, uh, you know, to me, it was all about Elvis's talent. It had nothing to do with the hype and the promo. And it, it wasn't RCA's publicity machine. It wasn't Colonel Parker's genius of uh, making deals. In fact, I felt, especially when I got into it, that the Colonel was a terrible deal maker. And, uh, you know, as a result, uh, I think it's been proven that, you know, Elvis could have made uh, a lot more uh, materially on his career. Uh, but, you know, the colonel uh, didn't even get him to participate in ownership of any of the movies he did, that they were all owned by the film studios. And uh, there was a scramble when he passed away where uh, Graceland and uh, the Elvis Presley Enterprises tried to buy back his own shows. And uh, so... It, it it really was a case of where uh, I only looked for the talent. I, I was not interested, especially in those days. I don't even think the 68 uh, comeback special, I don't even think we entered the Emmy race. We weren't even nominated for a, any kind of award when we did it. And uh, it was strictly all of us equally, including the star, uh, trying to do the best job we could as equals. Uh, from from a creative standpoint where we would forget our titles, forget our salaries, and just, you know, put our heart and soul. And I know Elvis wanted to come back. I mean, he had the passion uh, in his gut, and uh, I exploited that. And, uh, in fact, I joked with him uh, after we really knew each other and met each other, and, and uh, I started to really respect him deal when I, I wasn't even a fan of his after the Sullivan appearance, uh, you know, I didn't go out of my way to see any of his movies. And uh, so it was really a case of uh, here was an opportunity uh, for both of us to, to show, you know, uh, we cared about the art of the business, not the business of the business. Wow, Steve. Well, and I just, as a note to our listeners, uh, because we're already getting all this wonderful insider information from you, but you've just come out this week with a book about this experience called Elvis 68 Comeback, the story behind the special. I have a copy sitting right in front of me. The insider details, those juicy details like you're sharing now, are in this book and incredible. And the photos of Elvis at his sexiest best in his black leather outfit, and uh, behind the scenes. Anyway, it's a super book, so I want to make sure that we get a chance to talk a little bit about that, too. But I also want to ask you, uh, you mentioned that Elvis didn't trust television. He's had some difficult experiences on it before. He was
was nervous about getting out in front of people, but you were able to win him over by giving him a rather blunt response when he asked you your <laughs> opinion on his current career. So tell us that story. That's a goodie. The, the very first time that I physically met Elvis Presley, uh, I had to first get permission from Colonel Parker uh, to, to meet him in person. And uh, evidently, I don't know how, but I passed the colonel's test because uh, the colonel told me we're definitely doing 20 Christmas songs and Elvis wasn't going to talk on the show. And I knew instantly I wasn't going to do it. Uh, when I left the colonel's office, uh, went back to mine, uh, he had already approved me. Uh, I got a call from NBC saying, now you can meet Elvis Presley. And <laughs> I said, I won't. I won't even accept the deal until I find out if we if we're compatible, if we if we like each other, if we can work together. I'm a kid from Los Angeles, California, on the West Coast, and uh, my company at the time with my partner Bones Howe. Uh, Bones was a great record rock and roll producer, and we exclusively had all the hits for the Fifth Dimension and the Association, and working with Lloyd Nero, and. Uh, it, it was a case of where when Elvis showed up at my office at 4 o'clock in the afternoon with a couple of members of his entourage, uh, he and I immediately went into my office in the back of the complex. And uh, along the way, uh, Bones had hung uh, many of his gold records, and I think Elvis was really impressed with that because Elvis immediately uh, told me that, uh, you know, he was – uncomfortable with television he felt they were uh after the sullivan show uh most of primetime television was dominated by uh comedians like uh milton burrow and steve allen and uh pops pop artists like andy williams and and uh who would do christmas shows with their families and they were very nice but they had nothing to do in my opinion uh with rock and roll and uh so the first question Elvis asked me is, what do you think of my career? And I didn't even think about it. I just blurted out, I think it's in the toilet. <laughs> I didn't know if he was going to storm out of my office or the real reaction was finally somebody is leveling with me. And I always felt my job on the show was, was I think, for the first time in Elvis's life, other than a very few uh, individuals, that, that got to play Jiminy Cricket from the movie Pinocchio that, that Disney had had such success with. And I became Elvis's conscience. I sat on his shoulder telling him the truth. And, and he so much appreciated that because, you know, uh, even though he had lots and lots of inner circle entourage around him 24-7, uh, I'm not sure they weren't anything but uh, there to just uh, – laugh at his jokes and applaud him and, and uh, stroke his ego and so forth, and primarily report to the colonel uh, what was happening uh, between Elvis and myself while we were preparing to, to uh, actually shoot the, the, uh, the comeback special. And to me, uh, you know, uh, you have to realize that the Vietnam War was still raging on and campuses all over America were protesting the war. Uh, you know, there was uh, a big influence at the time 
which made Elvis even more secure, thinking the audiences won't accept him again because it's been so long since he's been in front of them entertaining them. He had no hit records on any of the music charts for a couple of years at, at, at least. And uh, there was also the British invasion of rock and roll with the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and Jerry and the Pacemakers and all these great English acts who were, for the first time, uh, having a huge success across America touring. And uh, so it was a case of where... Uh, he wasn't sure whether he should do television to begin with. And I said, you know, Elvis, uh, if, the, if the TV special fails, you'll still be remembered for your early hits like Hound Dog and Blue Suede Shoes and all those great rock uh, songs. Uh, and, you know, the, the movies that you made, but your career, uh, you know, basically will be over at that point. Conversely, if the show proves to be a huge hit, then all the doors reopen and you can do anything you want to do. You know, as Elvis expressed to me at the end of our relationship, uh, when we finished the special, that he had such a desire to go worldwide and meet all his fans and, uh, you know, uh, be challenged by, you know, uh, new challenges and, and adventures adventures uh he told me he never wanted to sing a song again that he didn't believe in he never wanted to do a movie that he didn't love the script and the director and on and on oh steve well i you know you made such a difference in elvis's life you've made such a difference in all of our lives who of course remember that special and i want again to remind the listeners that the this book just came out elvis 68 comeback the story behind the special because these kinds of details and this information, along with all those other wonderful photographs, just make it. So I would love to talk to you all day. I know you have other people. You are on a radio tour, so you have other people you need to speak with. But I cannot thank you enough, Steve. I was so excited about this interview, and it's beyond my expectations. Thank you so much for your time uh, and sharing so your remarkable memories with us. Thank you, Eileen. And I really want the youth to read this book and learn why their parents and, and grandparents are talking about Elvis Presley in 2022 and, and in future years. And there's a real lesson to be learned for them as well. I think they really will enjoy it. Absolutely. And for us who remember Elvis back in the day, you have reinvigorated our fandom and uh, just filled, again, the, the photographs alone, but the details are just amazing. So I really do urge everyone out there to check out Elvis 68, the story behind the special. And I want to thank you, Steve, once again for sharing your information with us. And thank you, Eileen. Thanks for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, and until next time, this is Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio. See you on the catch you later. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.